0: Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. We are one church that meets in various locations across Greater Manchester. For more information about who we are and where we meet, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. This is the final week of the Song of Songs. Um, if you've been tracking with us, you've probably got a sense by now of what the Song of Songs is. If it's your first week here, maybe uh, it's not a familiar book. It's not a book of the Bible that is taught all that often. It's not one that we instinctively go to that much. But it's a book in the middle of your Bible. If you open it in the middle, you're in roughly the right area. It's a short book, just eight chapters long. And when you start reading it, you'll find that it's poetry. And it's poetry between a man and a woman who are speaking to each other and expressing the way... They feel about one another. And in some sense, it's a very earthy book. It's a book that's getting into the heart of their relationship with each other. But in another sense, it's also a very spiritual book because it's included in God's word. And it's there for a reason. And marriage, as we read throughout scripture, is meant to give us a little insight window portal illustration to see not just about how this man and woman relate to one another, but to show us something of how God wants to relate to his people, how God loves us and how we're called to love him. So we've been reading it that way and said, well, what can we learn from this book about our relationship with God? And so far we've done three weeks on it and we've looked at three of the big themes that come out of the Song of Songs. So we started by thinking about what does it mean to have a a desire for closeness with God? Like, how How does that dimension play into what it is to be a Christian? And then we thought about the way the man in here speaks to his bride and says, you are beautiful, there is no flaw in you. And how does Jesus see us because of the gospel, that he sees us with all the, the sins and blemishes and all the things we might say, well, yeah, but there's this and there's that and there's the other, that he looks upon us in a different way and says, no, I see beauty in you. Uh, and then last week we looked at, what about those moments when it he, he just doesn't feel like we're close to him, when it, it seems like we're distant, it seems like the relationship is hard. How do we engage with those moments in our spiritual life? Well, this morning is going to be a bit different. So having done three big themes, now we're not doing a big theme today. We're going to do a a, a tiny little phrase that happens a couple of times in the Song of Songs. But as I was putting the series together, as I was reading through the song and preparing, you know sometimes you're reading the Bible and like the words jump off the page, and there's just a few things you can't shake. Well, that happened, and I wanted a, a space to express and explore this little phrase. So what I'm going to do today, this is the plan, is I'm going to show you the phrase in the Song of Songs, and then we're just going to bounce off it in a number of different directions and just have a think about it. It'll be maybe more of a a reflection or a meditation upon these words than than a typical CCM preach. Uh, And the, the words are these, let me hear your voice. That's said twice in the Song of Songs, let me hear your voice. So I realize what I'm doing today isn't quite what we typically do, but I I believe God's got something for us this morning. So uh, my ask for you is that you run with it, you go with us this morning, because this seemed the best way to convey and get across these words. So hopefully we've got a bit of faith for it and can go on the journey together. I'm going to read both times it comes up in the Song of Songs. So the first one is in chapter 2 and it it will come up in verse 14 but I'll give us a little run-up to it. I'll read from verse 8 just to get the context of what's going on. So it starts with her speaking but then midway through she's going to start quoting what he has said to her. So it's in her voice to start with. The voice of my beloved, look, he comes, leaping upon the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands, behind our wall, gazing in at the windows, looking through the lattice. My beloved speaks and says to me, so I'm going to switch into his voice now, the things that he said to her. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. For now the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, the flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth its figs, and the vines are in blossom, they give forth fragrance, arise my love, my fair one, and come away, oh my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the covert of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet, and your face is lovely. That's the first one. The second time we see it, we jump right to the end of Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 13. This is the last thing that the man says to the woman in the Song of Songs. He says, oh, you who dwell in the gardens, my companions are listening for your voice. Let me hear it. And then her final words to him in the next verse. Make haste, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or a young stag upon the mountain of spices. What do we see in this phrase? Why is this here? Throughout the Song of Songs, what we've seen is dialogue. We've seen two people talking to one another. It's not a monologue. It's not a speech where one person explains everything and the other one is just sheepishly there, quietly at their side. They've both been speaking. They've been speaking to one another. They've been listening to one another. They've both been hearing each other. They've both been heard by one another. That's the format of the book. That's the way it's it's structured. It's a it's a book of poetry that's back and forth and dialogue. That's interesting. It's now speaking to someone recently about do you have relationships in your life that feel like it's all one way? It's like you'll meet a friend for coffee and the whole time, they'll be telling you about their stuff and everything that's going on. And, and, and they'll tell you about this. And you'll ask them questions about this. and What about the family? And what about the work life? And this situation and that situation. And you get to the end of it, and you're like, ha, huh. they never once asked how I was doing. They never really I wanted to know about me. It was talk, talk, talk but no listening. I'm sure we can all think of relationships like that. That's not what we have in the Song of Songs, is it? It's both of them expressing things to each other. And in this phrase, let me hear your voice, what we see is that's not an accident. That's not just a a coincidental feature of the type of literature we're dealing with. There's reason, there's heart behind it. Let me hear your voice. He wants to hear her. He enjoys hearing her. He says, your voice to me is sweet. So this experience uh, of hearing her speak and listening to what she's got to say is something that makes him happy, that gives him joy. In fact, so much so that it's the very last thing that he says. Imagine you're wanting to maybe write a letter. Maybe you're going to write a poem to someone about how you feel about them. You're going to build up at the end to a crescendo, aren't you? That's going to be the big moment. That's going to be the thing that you really want to land. And this Song of Songs, it's hardly been coy. It's not really held back, has it, in the kinds of things... It expresses, yet it's all building for him to this. I want to hear your voice. Isn't that beautiful? And then think, okay, okay, this is a spiritual book, and this is a picture, maybe, of how Jesus feels about his people. Now, think about that. Did you know that Jesus wants to hear your voice? Did you know that Jesus cares to hear what's going on? Doesn't that maybe change the way you think about what it is to pray? So so when we pray, we can sometimes get into like activist mindset. I'm going to work through my list. I'm going to tell him this. I'm going to uh, express these things so uh, I, I've got all the right prayer. I've learned the technique for prayer, so I've, I've done it. Doesn't it change it when you, when you get this sense of he wants to hear your voice? He longs to hear you say what you've got to say. Doesn't it maybe change the way we think about worship. He loves you. He loves hearing your voice. Why? Because your voice is an expression of you. It's giving articulation to who you are, to what's on the inside. It's putting you forth and he loves to hear it. Let me hear your voice. You know, one of the things I love when I read the Gospels is seeing how often Jesus gives voice to the voiceless. That there are people who have been silenced by everyone around them. who There's no space, there's no interest in hearing that person. And Jesus cuts through. Jesus breaks through and draws out the voice. Let me give you some examples where he's creating this space for people to feel safe and welcome to express themselves. Think of the woman at the well. So Jesus was going through Samaria. This is John chapter four, and uh, he comes to a well, and then there's a woman at the well, too, and um, it's the middle of the day. She's there on her own to draw water, and he starts a conversation with her, and her response is this. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me A woman of Samaria. It's like the the silencing has become so entrenched, partly because of the nationality. He was Jewish, he was Samaritan, partly because of the gender. He was male, she was female. There There was just an expectation. Of course he wouldn't want to hear her voice. Even his disciples, when they get back, he says they were astonished. But Jesus, he held the space. Jesus drew out the voice. Jesus cared and Jesus wanted to hear maybe we see something similar in Matthew chapter 19 when the little children are coming and they're wanting to be around Jesus and you know what kids are like they want to tell you what's going on they want to share about their day they want to ask you questions and play and it says the disciples spoke sternly to those who brought them so Oh, Jesus is too busy Jesus wouldn't want to hear that Jesus needs to hear the important people uh-uh. no Jesus said let the little children come to me let me hear their voice as well or the blind man beside the road. Again, busy, I mean, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem at this point. He's going to die for the sins of the world. That's quite a kind of big, high-priority agenda item, isn't it? And so people are trying to shush the man who's calling out to him. But Jesus wouldn't let him be shushed. And as you push Jericho, a blind man, was sitting by the roadside begging. I love Jesus' question, by the way, to the man. What do you want me to do for you? I mean, how many of us, if we saw, would think, well, I already know. I know what he wants. He wants to be healed. I'll heal him. We don't even have to have a conversation. Job done, bish, bash, bosh, on my way. But Jesus honors him by asking him, what do you want? By letting his voice be heard, by respecting his wishes. I wonder, many of us know all too well, don't we, what it is to be silenced and shushed. Maybe. It's resonating. Maybe you're hearing it and thinking, yeah, I know that. I know exactly what it's like to be held at arm's length, to not be valued, to have no voice. And when we see those stories like Luke 18 or like Matthew 19 or John 4 of Jesus and recognise this is the same one here in the Song of Songs who would say to you and who would say to me, let me hear your voice. They're his words to you. Charlie Cleverly is someone who's written about the Song of Songs. I've referred to him quite a few times in this series, but I love this that he says. He says healing and flourishing will result in a person finding their voice. What's our vision for the church? What's our vision for one another's lives? What do we want to see happen? Well, we want to see people flourish and thrive and do well, and that means that people will start to find their voice—it's a feature of any healthy relationship, you know. A, a good friendship, a healthy friendship, is one where both people can speak. It's, it's one where there's not that kind of treading on eggshells, afraid to say what you're feeling because what would what would be the reaction? I, I don't really have permission. Now, a healthy friendship is one. Where you can speak. A healthy marriage is one where both people are free to speak, or encouraged to speak, are drawn out to speak and be heard. A healthy workplace is a workplace where everyone who works there, their opinions matter, they're able to contribute and share and feed into it. And when The opposite is true, which it is, isn't it? In so many workplaces, it isn't like that. In so many workplaces, there are people who show up and they're not asked what they think. They're just there to do a job. They're pushed down, they're squeezed into a box or friendships or marriages or whatever it may be. There's a word we'd use when people's voices aren't valued and that's toxic. It's not right. It chips away at the dignity of the image of God when there's no valuing of the voice. And just as I was prepping this, I just felt uh, a, a couple of little nudges. Just uh, just to say, maybe as we're talking about this, like things in your life are coming to mind, like particular settings and spaces in life. Maybe, maybe this morning needs to be that little red flag in your mind that, that, that just names it. Actually, this situation isn't right. This situation needs to be different, please do. If you're, if you're recognising stuff, bring that into the light. Talk with people today. Pray with people today who can help you in that. I wonder as well, maybe some are feeling that pang of conviction, that that sense that maybe you know you're treating people in this way, that there are people that are in your life who you're not drawing out the voice. You're not wanting to hear them. Well, let this be that kind of from the Holy Spirit to do things differently. Maybe some of you in your workplace, you, you've got the responsibility of creating workplace culture. You, you have the permissions and the freedom to, to kind of shape a bit what things look like in your place of work. Well, see this as part of a divine mandate. Let me hear your voice. How can you reflect that in the workplace you're in? This is the heart of the groom, this is the heart of Jesus. Let me hear your voice. Now, it's important to know, and I think if we're going to look at the Song of Songs and think about what the theology of the song is, I think it's important that we notice that it's the female voice that's been called for here as well. I think that's one of the the reasons why the song is in the Bible, so we see this. Let's just think about it. Whose voice does the Song of Songs start with? It starts with her voice. Whose voice does it finish with? finishes with her voice. Whose voice is more than anyone else's? It's hers. About 60% of the Song of Songs is in her voice. So we have a book here in our Bible that's platforming and profiling the female voice. Now this is in the Middle East, 3,000 years ago. That was a culturally very uncommon thing. It wasn't kind of par for the course in that moment in history, in that place in the world. And yet in God's word, that's what we see put forth. It's part of the fabric of the Old Testament. It's not the only book that does this. You see books like Ruth and books like Esther doing the same thing as well. Uh, And Richard Borkham speaks of these as gynocentric interruptions in scripture, where the female voice counterbalances a dominantly male-centred perspective. Also, despite the name Song of Solomon, we're pretty sure that this book was not written by Solomon. Solomon. Do you want me to um, back that up? Okay, um, chapter 8, verse 12. He's taking a shot at Solomon. And uh, so uh, this man who's speaking, the, the male voice in the song, says this. My vineyard, my very own, is for myself. You, O ho- ho- Solomon, may have the thousand. Solomon had a reputation that had in multiple relationships. He had hundreds of wives. He had hundreds of concubines. Tucked up a thousand. And someone's taking a shot at Solomon. You've got your thousand. I've got my one, and that's, that's better. She's precious to me. Now, that isn't Solomon who's written that. It's someone who's wanting to be a bit sly and taking a shot at Solomon. And many of the scholars think that uh, the Song of Songs probably had a female author. Renita Weems um, makes the argument this way. She says, the imagery, the language, and the emotions that are expressed... Are ones that one would expect and associate with a woman. Scholarship suggests that these are lyrics and songs that originated with women. So let's just think about the implications of that. If let me hear your voice is the call of the song, and part of what the song is doing is championing the female voice, and then we think about the society that we live in with all different spaces where women are silenced, where the female voice has to work twice as hard to be heard at all. And yes, this applies in church as well. Isn't it beautiful to see it put forth in this way in the song? Let's listen to Amy Bird, who speaks about it. Let me hear your voice. The bridegroom beckons the bride twice in the song. Does the church encourage all her people the way Christ encourages his bride. He says, for your voice is sweet. And yet many women in the church today, along with other marginalized people, hear the opposite message. They're silenced, they're hindered from contributing in the theological, creative, intellectual heart of church life. In the song, we see mutuality and beautiful reciprocity between the male and female voice. In fact, the bride's voice is dominant, both opening and closing the song. Well, what does this tell us about leadership? Leadership brings out the voice of others. It encourages, in the true sense of the word, giving courage and support. It gives power too, because leadership recognises personhood and dignity in men and women and sees them as gifts. So leadership invests in and facilitates harmony of the voices of God's people. Leadership says, let me hear your voice because that is what love says. I wanna ask this question, how can we be a church where the whole voice of the bride of Christ is heard? Where men and women, people from all different backgrounds, whatever stage of life we're at, whatever life looks like, how can we be a place where the whole bride is heard? Who are we not hearing in church? Whose voices are not amplified as they ought to be? Because Jesus wants the voice of his bride to be heard. And because it's his bride, Well, this is a sacred thing, isn't it? We must see it as sacred, that the whole voice that Jesus wants to hear is heard. So I was thinking, I was trying to drill down a little bit on practically what might it look like to make sure different voices are heard. Or to flip that question on its head, how might we end up not hearing people? How might we end up silencing people in church, perhaps unintentionally, perhaps not meaning to do that. But what might we do that creates that? Well, there's all sorts. It could just be as simple as who gets to go to what meeting or who gets to be in what conversation or who gets to be on what team. It, It could be as simple as, is the time taken to ask different people what they think, how they see things? What's your take on this? How would this affect you? Sometimes you can be invited to a meeting and find it difficult to get a word in because other people are talking. I was at a meeting in a few days ago. It was a Zoom meeting, about an hour and a half. Uh, people from all different churches involved. And we got an hour and 25 minutes in, and loads of people had shared, lots of people had brought brilliant contributions. We felt like we'd moved the issue on. But I loved what the person who hosted that meeting did, because he just kind of stopped the conversation, and he noticed that one of the screens, the person who was there, hadn't said anything over the course of the whole meeting. Uh, And so this person leading the meeting, uh, he just said, I'd love to hear what you think. And Uh, he named the person. Uh, And she had some really insightful comments. She had uh, a few points to make that enriched the conversation, but they were only brought in because he'd taken the time to notice, here's a voice that hasn't yet contributed. I'd love to hear this contribution interruptions I mean, have you ever had it where like you're telling someone something uh, and they cut you off and finish your sentence for you and some of the time they're wrong they they haven't even guessed correctly what you were going to say and some of the time they're right and it's still annoying because now it's right because they've said it not because you've said it like we cut people off we can be too dominant and just allowing those pauses. We don't need to jump into every space because we feel unsettled. Maybe someone else is just trying to muster up the courage to use their voice. Or the way we can dismiss people and make jokes and call it banter, but what we've done is we've kind of crushed someone who's taken that step to speak out. Or maybe when there's kind of an assumed consensus like, hey, come into this meeting. We're talking about this. We all think this, and we're going to talk about how to do it. I'm sure I do think that. But if you all think it, it's hard to say that. So maybe we need to just frame things differently. There's, there's lots more. These are just some of the things that came to mind. For me, there's a lot of work for us all to do if we want to hold spaces in church where everybody is heard. And, and don't hear what I'm not saying. What, I'm not saying that every time one of these things happens, there's something egregious going on. I'm speaking more into culture and patterns and what's normal and how things tend to be i think lisa turkhurst is quite helpful in thinking about these things like she talks about the the frequency you know like is it happening all the time or was it just like an occasional thing or um she talks about the severity so was it a really kind of bad one or or was it just kind of quite small the effect did this actually impact the person in a big way or, or or did it not do it these are some of the questions we can ask How do we create settings in church where every voice is heard? Well, leadership is an important part of it. And for those of us who are leading here at church or leading in your workplace or leading in your home or leading in any other setting, whatever it might be, the way you use your leadership can either squash voices down or it can draw voices out. Wayne Mullins speaks about how leaders can either cast light or cast shadows in the way they lead. He says when ethical leaders cast light, then people don't feel as if they have to hold their stories and their experiences close to their chest. They don't have to keep secrets. They don't have to be afraid of expressing appropriate dissent. They don't worry about what's gonna happen if they ask a question or voice disagreement. But when leaders cast a shadow, The impact of that is that everybody then keeps everything close to them. Because they learn that if they tell their story, if they speak out, if they use their voice and their agency, it's going to result in further harm. So they live in these shadows. When I came across that, it just set me thinking, why would you do that? Why Why would anyone want to cast shadows and silence the voices? Why wouldn't you want people Then you hear about all different situations where this is exactly what's happened, where people have felt shut down and unable to tell the truth. The only answer I could come up with, why you would want to cast shadows as a leader, is because there's something to hide. It's because you're afraid of what will be said. You're afraid of, if the truth is spoken, that you're worried because it's not healthy, it's not good behind the scenes. When something is healthy and flourishing. There is nothing to hide. There's no secrets. There's no pressure. There's no fear. And the New Testament calls us to live in the light. Ephesians 5 says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For that becomes, everything that becomes visible is light. Truth is a powerful thing. People's voices being heard is a beautiful and a powerful and a life-giving thing. And so Jesus says to his bride, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet. Let me look around and bring us back to what it means to use our voices. There are lots of directions I could go here. I could talk about evangelism. I could talk about boldly using our voices to speak of Jesus to other people. That's like singing the song of songs out loud and in public, isn't it? I could speak about justice and just how Jesus used his voice to speak up for the downtrodden and the silence. We can put our voices to use in a similar way. I could speak about confidence in stepping up to use our spiritual Gifts. But in context, actually, what he's saying when he says, let me hear your voice, is he's calling us to speak to him, not just about him. He's calling us to express our hearts to him in prayer and in worship. The groom here, it's not just my companions are listening for your voice. He's saying, let me hear it. He wants to hear you. Jesus loves to hear your voice. So use it. So draw near to him. Pour out your heart to him. Tell him what's on your mind. Share with him your fears and your hopes and your dreams. Express your love for him. Just like in the Song of Songs, we see the bride doing. Let me hear your voice, he says, for your voice is sweet. Thanks for listening. To explore this sermon or learn more about our church, please navigate to the links provided in this podcast description. From there you can connect with us on social media and you're welcome to check out the music links featured in this episode from our very own musicians. You can also discover current events and information about where we meet on Sundays, the various groups or community projects that you can join in with. If you're interested in knowing more about us or wish to join us for one of our meetings Please reach out. Simply drop us an email at hello at ccm.org.uk. We look forward to connecting you.